Welcome to the Fit Money Podcast, where we'll discuss something we all need through our entire life, financial literacy, but also asking the tough question, why aren't students learning it? Financial literacy is more than the math and a behavior we'll need beyond the classroom. So we're learning how we can help students, families, and teachers build a new generation of financially fit students everywhere. On this episode, Fit Money Executive Director Jessica Peltier meets with professional and financial speaker, author, filmmaker, and podcast host Adam Carroll to discuss how he's not only raising financially fit kids of his own, but how he's helping others be empowered and find their own financial takeaways through his own personal stories. Together, they discuss how parents model money behavior when they may not even know it, the impact of learning about money early, and what you can do to get started today. Hi, Adam. It's so wonderful to meet you. We have so much to talk about. I can't wait to get started. Oh, me too, Jessica. I'm excited about our conversation. I know that your audience is going to get a ton out of this. So uh, where to begin, right? Oh my gosh, where to begin. Exactly. So we're both parents. Um, I have young kids. Yours were young not that long ago. And I think you've had some amazing lessons um, that have come out from some really interesting experiments mm-hmm. that you have run. So let's dive right into that. Uh, tell me about your kids and how they came to have relationships with money. Yeah, well, wh- when this really started for me, I w- I've been a professional speaker for the last couple of decades. And my focus was really on high school and college students when I first started. And so I was getting a lot of firsthand experience with an age demographic where my kids were not yet. And um, I was noticing things that these kids were saying and doing that I thought, well, this is dangerous. Why are they doing this? Or I I don't want my kids to do this. I want them to understand uh, the opposite of this behavior. And so when they were, I believe it was six, eight, and 10, we played a game of Monopoly at home with real cash. So I had had $10,000 in cash on the kitchen table, and I decided to play a cash game of Monopoly to see if it would change the way my kids played. And this ended up becoming part of a TED talk that I delivered at the London Business School that went viral and has like 6 million views and tons of comments. So it was just really fascinating to go through the entire process and learn the lessons we did with our kids. That is so great. Actually, my two, uh, who are now nine and 12, also love the game of Monopoly. And you're right, you can really see these behaviors at such a young age, we've been playing it for a couple of years now that come forward with these little young people who you think in your brain as a parent wouldn't have a relationship with money yet. You know, they're not paying the rent, they're not doing the groceries, but we are wrong when we think that. And, And here at Fit Money, we specifically educate our youngest learners because of that. So tell me about the personalities that you discovered as you were sitting around the table with your kids. Yeah, what was interesting was all of them loved to play the game. And the the I think it was the weekend before I went and grabbed 10 grand out of a home equity line of credit, just for the record. It was not 10 grand. <laughs> I was gonna say lying around the kitchen table. I was yeah, like, wow, right. Adam. <laughs> yeah, it was in our change jar you know, on top of the fridge. Uh I went and got it out of the HELOC the following weekend, but the previous weekend I was noticing that they they love to roll the dice and move the pieces. But the money itself was somewhat irrelevant to the game. They were, you know, shuffling and handing each other money. But as you know, having played with your kids, 
after a while, the money here just slips a paper, you know, it's mm -hmm. yellow, it's blue, it's pink. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have any significance really to real money or, or the, the lesson that's supposed to be taught there, in my opinion. And so my kids are all different personalities. My daughter played a luck strategy when she played Monopoly. She would play for chance and community chess cards. And that mm -hmm. was it. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to buy properties, wasn't interested. My middle son or my middle child, my oldest son, um, he was very strategic. He would buy all the railroads and the utilities, mm -hmm. and then he would try and buy boardwalk and park place. Cause he thought that was super valuable. And then my youngest son would buy everything that he landed on. No questions. Even when he did, he had no money. And if, from the time he was six years of age, he'd say buying it when he landed on a site and we'd say, Davis, you can't, you have no money. He'd say, don't care buying anyway. And, um, and so the, their personality was such that as many kids that age are, if they wanted something, Jessica, they would come to us and they would say, I, but I want this, but I want it, but I want it. And, you know, as, as many parents experience the target trips where someone's mm -hmm. pitching a fit because they're not getting the, the Nerf gun or the ball or the truck or whatever it is they want. Um, we started questioning, how do we, how do we change the behavior around this? Because there's no connection to what this costs. It's just that they want it. And the Monopoly game really uh, sort of dove deep into that idea that these kids need to handle money on their own mm -hmm. so that they can understand the value of having a certain amount and specifically having the lack of it at some point in time. I agree. And I do think that we're going into a time in our economy that I'm, a, I'm slightly worried about because we are yeah. transitioning out of the physical cash. Totally. Um, you know, I was just telling you this story before we started recording about my son is is away with a friend and he forgot his wallet. And I really wanted him to have cash so that, you know, if they wanted to get dessert or something he could do. Yeah. He has one of those debit cards for kids. And yeah. I thought maybe he could just add it to his Apple wallet. That didn't work out. But I'm thinking yeah. to myself, you know, as we transition to less cash, more Yep. plastic or even phone transactions, totally. how are they going to really figure out that this does have value? You know, we see, yep. and I, I heard you say this as well, we we see video games where they're earning a million dollars from right. one hour of play. Right. And so they don't, they just think, well, a million dollars must be regular. Totally. <laughs> that must just be a normal amount of money. Totally. That's exactly right. In fact, in the TED Talk, one of the examples I gave was I was sitting on a plane next to a couple of 16-year-olds. And I was talking about a friend of mine at 18 who had started a lawn mowing business and was making six figures, you know, by the time he was 20 and, and they were kind of like, meh. And I said, you don't think that's a lot? And one said, well, I have $500,000 in my ATM machine in Grand Theft Auto. Oh my goodness. And so you're, you're spot on that the, the connection between what is real and what they're experiencing in these imaginary worlds that they're in couldn't be farther from the mm -hmm. truth or from reality. And, and some of this goes to the psychology of it too, where if you gave a kid a $50 bill for their birthday, they might be prone to hold on to that $50 bill mm -hmm. if they went to target. Cause it's like, Oh gosh, I don't want to get, I don't want to break this. Mm -hmm. This is a big bill. It's actually a pain sensor that goes off in your brain when you hand over a 50 or a hundred dollar bill, but you can go on Amazon and hit one click ship for $47 and it's actually a pleasure sensor that goes mm -hmm. off because you're in positive anticipation of receiving that thing at your front door. 
So even that alone is one of those things for parents we have to be really mindful of. Our kids are seeing things show up at the door every day in positive anticipation, but there's no pain associated to it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's lots of stories of youngsters that that log on to Amazon with their parents' login and just go crazy buying Legos <laughs> or whatever. They show up at the door. This this is the challenge that I think we could face if we if we're not careful. Boy, is it ever a challenge. And talk about the pandemic. You know, were things really showing up on the front door because you literally could not go out and buy them. And so for younger kids that were, you know, mine were in kindergarten during the pandemic. And, and that was exactly the transaction. In fact, I don't think my children thought a transaction was even happening. It's just, Oh, even if it was a, what we call a need paper towels or that illustrious toilet paper that no one could get their hands on that just arrived magically. And, And so we did have to kind of retrain them. Yep. Um, and I actually think, you know, um, I love what your your comment about the landscaping business. I actually think it's the act of earning that dollar totally. um, that also really helps tremendously totally. build that value proposition with yep. them. Um, and earning can can come in a lot of forms. Like we know a five-year-old is, is not going to go down the street and start bagging groceries. Yeah. But, and maybe, you know, as a parent, you think it's an allowance or it's chores yeah. or there's, you know, walking the dog or you know, whatever oh. that, that transaction is to earn, yeah. um, because you're right, that that dollar that is earned is sacred. Totally. That will stay in their wallet for, you know, the test of time, whereas yeah. that gift card that just magically appears, you know, on birthdays or first communions, yeah. phew, out the door. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're spot on. In our experience, um, when the kids started getting their allowance, and we did it for chores done, so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just a gimme. You don't get money because you're part of the family. You're going to help around the house and get it based on this chore list. And we we took it to another level and said, you will not get it until all the chores are done. And then when you do, we did a 10, 10, 10, 70 split. So 10% mm-hmm. to giving, 10% to saving, 10% to investing. 70% was theirs to keep. But we had certain rules in place, like there was a savings, uh, an emergency savings goal that by the time they were five, they had to have $300 in their emergency fund. Nice. And, and, you know, by the age of seven, they had to have 400 by the age of nine, they had to have 500. I think I said that right. Five was 300, 400, 500. So by nine, they had $500 sitting in an account and I had friends that would say, Adam, what on earth kind of an emergency would a nine-year-old have? And I kept saying none, we would take care of it, but this is a habit that we're setting for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they will always have $500 minimum in a savings account. Because CNN Money came out with a study a couple of years ago that said 64 or 65% of the American populace could not come up with $500 cash in the event of an emergency. And I look at that and go, that's, that's a habit issue. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's not the lack of money. That's a lack of, a, of an effective habit around saving. And that is, that is the word of the day because uh, what we do, and I'm sure what you do when you, when you talk to families and, and you know, if you're still focused on even the college student and young adults, yep. is behaviors and habits are what are really, truly going to set us up for that resiliency yep. that we're all looking for. You know, we're not all going to be millionaires, you know, uh, or, or billionaires of the 18 year olds on the plane thought that they probably needed to be. Right. But it's, it's the healthy habits that will set you up for the the rainy days, as we're calling yeah. it. And I've seen that that same study, and it's it's so disturbing that there are so many families who cannot, you know, um, 
get that emergency, you know, that one car, uh, you know, issue breaks down and it just ruins their, their family. And so good, good for you. What a great, great lesson for kids. I, I was witnessing things when I went out in public or when I was at friends' homes of what they were doing with their kids. And I think I don't, I don't mean to fault or vilify anybody for doing what they were doing, but I think there's some unintended consequences of, Hey, every time we go to the store, you get a soda or Mm -hmm. a a treat. Mm -hmm. Every time we go to target, you get to pick out a toy. I had a family friend that every time they would go visit friends, they would go to target first and their kids would pick out a toy that they could take to the house and play with. And I was like, this is setting a very dangerous precedent. When you go into their basement, it was like an explosion of toys. (laughs) And to your point, whenever they had car repairs, they're like, well, we don't have enough money for the car repair. And I'm going, yeah, but you've dropped hundreds of dollars on baubles and multicolored playthings mm-hmm. for your kids who now think that every time they go into Target, they're, they're going to get one. And so it's this unintended consequence mm-hmm. that we create where the kids are thinking, well, the money must be super plentiful and never ending. Mm-hmm. And our kids, what we found when they started making the financial decisions after getting the allowance and us saying, no, this is on you. If you want the Nerf gun and it's $50, how much do you have saved and how mm-hmm. many more weeks are you going to have to save before you get there? Um, we found that they valued the dollar more. They understood that it was limited in scope in mm-hmm. terms of how much was there um, and that they, they valued saving mm-hmm. over immediate gratification. Boy, I love that. And and delayed gratification, I think, is one of the most important things that that all humans can learn and why it's so important to talk about money with kids as young as five. Yeah. Um, and and even if it's not exactly the physical cash at, you know, three, four, five years old, it is yep. about delaying and just and just putting a pause because you're right. Um, because when you're you're getting a toy or, or an ice cream, you know, a dessert every single night, it's not special anymore. It's not a treat. Uh, it's just an expectation. And then, you know, God forbid that that stops for whatever reason. Yeah. It's very upsetting and disturbing instead of, uh, instead of being something that you can just deal with and, and shift your expectations into something else. Yeah. And it sends a very weird message, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden somebody loses a job or there's a Mm -hmm. financial hardship of some kind and they go, nope, no ice cream. No, we're not going to do sodas at dinner tonight. No, we're not going to. And people, you know, young kids especially are like, well, I don't even know what this means. And right. maybe it means that money's scary. And, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and th- there's some scientific evidence that suggests that our money personality is shaped by the time we're nine years of age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a good friend of mine, what she heard growing up was, well, we'll never have a lot of money, so we might as well spend it now. Because we're never going to have mm-hmm. a lot of money, so we mm-hmm. might as well spend it now. And it was very circular logic mm-hmm. that to this day, and she's in her forties at this point, still not a lot of money. And whenever there is some, they go to spend it right away mm-hmm. because she was raised in that world where the the money personality was, well, I'm never going to have a lot. So let's just treat ourselves to everything that we want in the right. moment. Right, man, that's tough. That's tough to yeah. you know grow out of because like you say, it's ingrained in you and you've seen it around you uh, with your family. 100%. Hey, Fit Money Podcast listener, I hope you are enjoying today's episode with our guest, Adam Carroll. If you are thinking to yourself, hey, maybe I could benefit from starting my own financially fit journey today, or maybe I could help my kids on their own as well. 
You can get started with free resources curated for every single age at fitmoney.org. I feel like for today's episode, I can specifically call out Fitmoney Super Squad program, which is a pick your own adventure style learning platform where students K through six can join the Super Squad to discover and explore key financial literacy concepts. You can get started and register for free today at fitmoney.org slash super squad. Now back to Jessica and Adam for the rest of today's episode. This is a, another comment I've heard you talk about, um, and and no judgment on parenting styles, yeah. <laughs> regardless. Um, but I think you also were telling a story about you know parents that do really at at a certain age uh, make their kids buy a lot more of their needs, yeah. um, and not just the wants. And and we had a, a great guest on not too long ago who said there does actually need to be a shift. And, and for every person, yeah. it's different. It's not going to be okay at 15 or right. 18. You know, we all know our children and, and even in the same household, they might be very different. Um, yep. But at some point as a parent, it is your job to actually change from getting their needs to now just being their wants. And, you know, I'd yep. never really thought about that before, yeah. but you are setting them up to be much more successful adults when they understand that, you know, needs have to come first. And yep. so then parents can come in as a, you know, well, I'm here for, for gifts and those treats. Right. Talk about that story. I think that you, you talked about that, that child who was very upset at first with their parents. Yeah. <laughs> this was a college environment that I was in and I had delivered a talk called winning the money game and had a group of young people, you know, after I was done asking questions and wanted a, a signature autograph on the book and all that. And, and one young guy, he waited till the very end of the line, but I could tell he wanted to tell me something. And he came up and I said, Hey man, what's your story? And he goes, my name's Carlos. I'm from this you know smaller town at the age of 15. My parents said, we'll give you $50 a month. We'll give you food and we'll give you shelter, but everything else is on you. And I said, what do you mean everything else? And he goes, all my athletic stuff that I wanted to do a car, if I wanted it, car insurance, gas, um, but all my like shampoo and toiletries and all those kinds of things. And I said, man, what was that like at 15? And he goes, I hated my parents. Yeah. I thought they were being punitive and I, I just thought they were being cruel to me when all my friends, you know, their parents are giving them everything. And I said, where are you today? Cause he was clearly not 15. And he goes, I'm 20. <clears throat> I'm finishing my second year at a community college paid for all in scholarships and I've got 20 grand set aside in a savings account that'll help go to cover my last two years at a four-year school, but I'm applying for scholarships. So hopefully I'll leave school and I'll, I'll have money in the bank still. And I'm, and I was like, dude, this is a, this is an insane story of your parents who put you through the ringer, mm -hmm. but you came out on the other side, much, much stronger. And how I would kind of classify this too, Jessica, or what I've heard on the flip side is parents will say, I love my kids. And I don't want them to struggle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've conflated that, I think, in society where, yeah, I love my kids and I don't want them to struggle, but I struggled when I was 20 and everyone else struggles. And it actually, I think, made me who I am today. So at some level, are, are we actually denying our children the ability to trip and fall under our protective care mm -hmm. in their teenage years versus you hit 18, you get your first pre-approved credit card at college. And now you're off to the races with student loans and debt and, you know, come out at 22 on a hundred grand. That's not what I wanted for my kids. 
No, it's that proverbial, you know, how can you let your kids fall off the bicycle to learn how to ride the bicycle? Um, You know, and and again, that the age, you know, 15, as you say in this story, it worked for that family. It might be different for everyone uh, and, and whatever that amount is, but just the general thinking of preparation for that, you know, that time that you're, you are in charge of your, your destiny and you are the the only one that's bringing money in. My, my dad had a theory. Um, he had shared this with me one time and I don't know that he lived up to it necessarily, but he would say checkout time is 18 at noon. (laughs) He was essentially saying, no, you're on your own pal. Like once you go, you need to be ready to launch. And I have wanted to prepare my kids to be financially viable when they leave the home. And by the age of 14 or 15, all three of them have had, and we joke about this, but they have to have an MBA before they leave for school. And an MBA stands for a massive bank account. Because <laughs> <I love it. laughs> you need that to make sure that you're ready to go to school and cover all the costs that are there because your car is going to break down and you know your air conditioning is going to go out in your, in your apartment or your fridge or whatever. Um, you're going to have things you have to pay for. And while we will be there to offer support, it really is up to you mm-hmm. to show you can stand on your own two feet. And it breeds this like insane level of confidence and mm-hmm. self-assurance when they do have that. And I've seen it in all three of my kids. And it, and it shines in other areas of their life. You know, I'm sure even just their interview skills. And, and so, you know, not to be so money focused, but it really yeah. does give you that set of confidence. You know, if you know that you can make right decisions and not a hundred percent of the time, look, even there are things I buy today that I look back and I think, what, what was I doing? You yeah, know? Right, it was right. that excitement of this is going to come through the door in two days, totally. but you know, um, I've done, you know, a lot of work and we've, you know, given ourselves a little bit of that cushion so that we yeah. can, you know, occasionally reach beyond and, and maybe make some, some mistakes. You have to let your kids do the same. Yep. Yep. hundred yeah. percent. I think that them making $50 mistakes mm-hmm. under your watchful eye is great. Mm-hmm. I think them making 500 and a thousand and five thousand $5,000 mistakes when they get to college, that's a challenge. It is a they, real they, challenge. Yeah. Cause they haven't, they haven't skinned their knees with some mm-hmm. of the small ones. And immediately when they leave the home, it's like, oh gosh, look at all the things I can have and buy and people are giving me money for without really understanding what the the long-term effect or ramifications of that are. And and you mentioned that, you know, that college, you know, or even early career 18-year-old credit card application is waiting for you, many yes. of them. And and you have credit before you, you know, even blink your eye and And, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there. I think, you know, to cite another study, you know, I think it's something like 51% of young students who sign up for their first credit card have absolutely no concept of how they work. First of all, they don't realize it's a loan. They don't realize that that minimum payment is actually really not what you're supposed to pay. And it just is cyclical. It just, you know, they end up with just insane amounts of debt. I mean, the average credit card debt for a person today is something like $7,000. And with interest rates today, you know, it's just not sustainable. Totally. And I was there. I was a debt statistic when I graduated from school. Exactly. Me too. Yeah. Part of the reason I do what I do today was I, I, at 22, I was like, oh no, I was a rich college kid Mm -hmm. and now I'm a broke broke professional. (laughs) And, um, but I had this, this weird mindset of, I better use my credit card because then I have cash in the bank still. Right. 
And, and I would look, you know, go to my ATM balance, be like, oh, I'm good. There's 400 or $500 there. Meanwhile, I had $8,000 in credit card debt. Um, and that's, that's the one thing we're really trying to educate, certainly our kids and then all the audiences mm-hmm. I speak to, that uh, the adage I would use is if you can eat it, drink it, or wear it, it doesn't go in plastic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because those are all consumable things that you'll, you'll pay for it. And then you'll be paying for it month after month after month, long after it's left your system or left your closet. Right. Long after it's gone. Yep. Uh, I love I love the lessons. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your stories. I have no doubt that your kids are incredibly successful young adults now. Uh, and this has been real fun. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for joining us today on the Fit Money Podcast. Whether you're a caregiver, teacher, or student yourself, there's plenty of great K-12 resources to begin or continue your financial literacy journey at fitmoney.org. Visit the show notes for more from today's guests and financial literacy activities for the classroom, at home, or on the go. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy learning, earning, and saving. The Fit Money Podcast is presented by Fit Money, the leading K-12 financial literacy curriculum, providing free, unbiased financial literacy resources. All opinions, products, and references during the show are not endorsed by Fit Money and are solely opinions of the individual. Fit Money does not claim any responsibility for external resources referenced during the episode. All Fit Money products and episodes are provided for educational purposes and are not professional advice.